This is Writing Excuses, Season 3, Episode 16, the Anti-Mary Sue episode. 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. I'm Howard. And we have special guest star John Brown. Tell us about yourself, John Brown. Well, uh, I... Thank you, Jordan. Jordan's waving me on closer. Uh, I've got a I've got a novel coming out, so I'm a new author. My debut is coming out in October, and I'm excited. It's an epic fantasy from Tor Books. From Tor Books, yep. Mm-hmm. And, and I called? read it. It's called Servant of a Dark God. And now, John, are you related to the John Brown who posts all those long, thoughtful comments? On and the writing excuses website under like the blog. We're unprepared monkeys. Do you know that guy? I don't know who that is. <laughs> okay, because we need to tell him to stop. Yeah, we, we <laughs> make us look bad. You, however, uh, you're welcome to okay, stay. Thank you. Thank you. Um, speaking of uh, looking bad, we're going to talk about uh, Mary Sue. Or, well, Dan, tell us what a Mary Sue is. A Mary Sue is that that is when the author puts him or herself into the book as a character. Yeah, blatantly. Blatantly. Um, not necessarily by name. This can happen, you know, with this character's actually me, but I changed the name or I changed something else to throw you off, but not really because it's obviously me. Yeah, it's... Um, it's Clive the, Cussler does it in all his books on yeah, purpose. He does. And it's, it's in, at that point, it, it becomes because a cameo. cameo. Right. A Mary Sue is more of a... Usually if someone says, hey, that's a Mary Sue, it's an insult. Mm-hmm. Meaning, what they're saying is they're pointing at one of your characters and saying, you are inserting yourself sneakily into this book as a form of wish fulfillment. Um, instead of um, having a real protagonist, you just want to go on all these adventures. And so you change a few things, and then you give this character too many things. You make them all powerful, omnipotent, in this, in this sort of thing, just to fulfill your own desires. Now, I get this question a lot with my books. You know, is my character based on me? But I think that's more, you yeah. know, them trying to identify a potential enemy than, <laughs> than anything else. That's why I keep asking. Uh, okay. Um, actually, I think that might be that might be a, a form of a compliment. Um, Stephen King, you'll talk to him often. People will say, "Are you like your characters?" Stephen King is nothing like his characters. He's this nice, amiable person. Um, he's an excellent writer, and he can write these dark, twisted things. And I don't think that actually means that he is dark and twisted, though most people assume that is. They mm-hmm. Assume the same thing maybe about you. Yeah. yeah. Well, in your case, one right. can only hope. Uh, um, but this, this topic is actually a little bit broader than that. It's, it was asked for by a, re, a listener um, who, wanted to, who said, all of my characters sound like me. Um, you, how do you keep each character from sounding just like they're another part of the same person or that they are the same person? I pick uh, ideas and viewpoints with which I disagree. Okay. And I, I write from that viewpoint and... I have an advantage in that I'm always I'm always trying to write humor, uh-huh. um, and so I can exaggerate that viewpoint for comedic effect, and it becomes a viewpoint that is, is not one that I would uh, uh, that I would adopt. I know I'm doing it right when people email me and they tell me what a horrible person I am because you know since I wrote this in my comic I obviously believe it, and I tell them no, no right. I am not my characters, uh, and and there's you know dozens of viewpoints there. So. Often I said viewpoints, the wrong word. Dozens of political perspectives, right. religious perspectives. Mm, right. Oh, although I do have to say, I think this is interesting. I do have to say, though, that, I, you know, when I'm looking at my characters, my wife, for example, just read my a draft of a book, and she said, I could hear you, here, here, and here. And 
for me, that isn't necessarily a red flag to say I can't be in there because I don't know how to not to be in there. But I do know that with the characters, there are two things that I try to do. And that is, the first is, if, if it's a, a very, if it's a voice that I'm looking for, I need to steep myself in the voice. I wrote a story set in, back in Croatia, and I wanted a Yiddish voice. And I had to get steeped in that voice and that kind of culture and, and go outside of myself to get it. So that's one thing that I do. There's, there's a couple of other things. But at the same time, I mean, I mean, I, have you guys not have people say, there you are, I see you, people that know you, mm -hmm. I see you right there? I mean, um, it happens to me all the time, particularly in the Alcatraz books, um, which I think are partially, how shall I say, you don't quite get them unless you know me, which is actually a bad thing. Um, <laughs> but a lot of people say that. If they, if they know me, they read the Alcatraz books, they can see me in the books. Um, it's because they're more improvisational. My humor, I'm it's trying... It's bonus content. Yeah, it's, it's, it's bonus content. But um, at the same time, it <laughs> is... You watch yeah. the, beside, the behind the heat behind-the-scenes commentary first. Get to know Brandon first, watch all the behind-the-scenes commentary, and then read the book. Yeah, it's and that's awesome. what they're getting. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, but I see what you're saying. Can you avoid this? Can you avoid having your character sound like you? Um, like you said in the beginning when you introduced the topic, an element of you is going to be in every character you create. Um, one trick that I use, and this is kind of a cheap hack, but it, it is fairly effective, is I will just have someone else in mind when I am writing a character. I will think of a friend that I know really well, or uh, a famous actor, yep. or you know, other movie personality, and not try to make them sound like that, but just keep that in the back of my head, and you know, some of those mannerisms will start to creep in. Ideally, not to the point that you will read my book and go, oh, that's obviously Jack Nicholson, or you know, whoever. Uh, but it will change the way that character talks enough that it won't sound as okay. much like me anymore. You do this too, John? Yeah, I do, actually. I have, uh, when I'm developing my characters, I'll often either have uh, a person that I know that I'll say kind of like this person, but then I change. I'm going to change some significant things about them. Right. Or sometimes it's a, an animal uh, so this guy is wolf. I, because what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get a dominant impression in my mind because I don't maybe I just don't have the brain power. No, I think writers, that's a good idea. I need a dominant impression, mm -hmm. and so it's either a, a picture. Sometimes it'll be a picture. I'll have a picture of a of a guy, and he mm -hmm. evokes something in me. Mm -hmm. So that's something that helps me. I have a friend, a very good writer, and she casts every single character she writes in her books. Um, mm -hmm. All side characters, everything. She does it by going through magazines. Uh, magazine after magazine until she finds the right picture and then she cuts that out keeps it in a folder uh, marked with that uh, that book title and pulls those out whenever she's writing the book wow using pictures to represent your characters that sounds oh wow clever. innovative yeah wow. maybe you should try I that could, you know, it sounds a little <laughs> i could i could get somewhere with that you know what i i think i think we can uh, we can learn something here from the the school of deconstruction uh which is where you take something and you know pick it apart until there's nothing left. Right. Uh, deconstruct your own vocabulary. Listen to yourself talk. I listen to myself on these podcasts, and I find that there are phrases I use repeatedly. And I can't identify one of them right now, but I'm sure if I listen to this Luxury. podcast again. Luxury. Okay, that. All right. Um, <laughs> when I find myself writing my characters and a phrase pops out that I know I've heard myself say, okay, I, I'm going to make a mental note to go back and rewrite that and say it in a different way. In fact, I've, I've gotten now to where I'm wordsmithing all of my strips very carefully, where the first pass through, 
reads a lot like me. And the second pass through, I'm imagining the character standing there saying this. I'm like, all right, this is the reverend. Well, the reverend does sound like me a little bit when he's talking about religious topics, but he's also, uh, you know, he's different in this way. He's going to phrase things a little differently. And so I wordsmith the dialogue very, very carefully. And that's mm -hmm. really where it, where it comes out is the dialogue. And we'll break for a commercial. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by John Brown's Servant of a Dark God. Available from Tor when? Now? Sometime. October. Soon. October. <laughs> Mid-October. Mid-October. October 14th. Teen. This book has a May, launch no, date, no, but this podcast October was not brought 15? to you by the launch date. It was brought to you by the book. This podcast servant to of you a dark by god. John Brown, the servant of a dark god. <laughs> and we're back. Um, I wanted to repeat what Howard just said um, because I think it, it, it bears a lot of repeating. If you can really get inside your character's head, and you can really find a distinctive voice for that character in world. I think that can yeah. anti-Mary Sue. And that's mm -hmm. the real trick. We're writing genre fiction for the most part. Um, even if you're not, your character is going to have a certain set of circumstances, history, um, thought processes that are distinctive to them. And when you identify what these are and say, whenever I'm in this character's viewpoint, I am going to look at the world through this character, you will naturally stop doing this. Um, I think of uh, Robert Jordan's very good at this with cultures. Mm -hmm. um, someone who's from a different culture thinks very differently in his books. Um, I try all, of the, to, yeah. all of the boats and fish right. from Swan yes, Song. Yeah, yeah, swans, boats, and fish. I try mm -hmm. to do it with profession is another good way to do it. I've got a character that I'm writing who's a surgeon, and I'm trying to think, okay, what is he going to notice when you meet somebody? He'll notice the faint limp that person has because they broke their leg when they were four years old, and it, when it got reset, it didn't quite get reset right. He would no. notice that. Someone else wouldn't. When you start doing these things, you pull away from the Mary Sue. You know, a nice side effect of getting into your characters' heads and voices that much is that it will reduce your uh, expository narration a lot, I yeah. think. Because, you know, me telling my story, most of us telling our own story, we're not going to take time to explain how sync works, you know, or how all of these other right. things function because they're entirely familiar to us and they will be to your characters as well. Yeah, and that's always a hard balance to walk. I, I may have to can of worms that. I think we've talked about it a little bit. Learning mm -hmm. curve is just... Yeah. But this, the, this wraps up in all of these things. You were going to say something, Well, Yeah, I just... There's a technique, and, and I mentioned it before, but I'll just uh, plug it again. 
you know, Jay, I think it's Jay Gregory Keyes, Calculus of Angels. He did this, this incredible uh, series with Ben Franklin and that. And I remember writing him and talking to him and saying, how did you come up with some of these words and the phrases? And what he told me was he just steeped himself in original journal entries and original writings from that period. And, and I think this is part of the getting into character. If, if you're looking and you, and you steep yourself in some of these things, uh, it's naturally going to come out. It's naturally going to come out. Yeah. A lot of it is mimicry and we're acting. I mean, when I, when I do my writing, I feel like some of the time I'm acting. What would he do? How would I, how would I play this? And so I think that acting and then just getting into that role and steeping yourself in it is incredibly important. In fact, that's how some of my, my best stories have come about because I've gotten into the role of a farmer and a hick and I've picked up a voice from somewhere, or I've gotten into the role in this novel that I've got coming out, this hunger character. I, it was getting into that voice and just trying to steep myself in it and then just let come what may. But not thinking so much about, not anti, you know, avoiding right. Mary Sue, but just what is that guy and thinking positively, right. thinking forward. Well, mm -hmm. and that's, that's a critical point that uh, needs, to be, needs to be addressed. If you are worried about being caught in having inserted yourself as a character in right. your book, it's too late for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay? If, if, because that's, that's what Mary Sue really is, is when you are, you know, you are inserting yourself in the book as a form of wish fulfillment. If you have designed your characters thoughtfully so that they are all different things, and your wish fulfillment is, boy, I really want to tell this story. This is a fun story. I want to tell this story. I want to see how it turns out. Then you're probably going to be fine. Mm -hmm. The things that we're talking about, I think, are advanced techniques. Right. That, mm -hmm. I mean, once you get to this point, Mary Sue is, her, her auntie is so far antied. Right. <laughs> Though I do think once you get to our point, you start to have a different problem, which is repeating yourself. And I think I need a can of worms that so that we can do an entire podcast on it. Because I think the more you write, the more you are in danger of telling the same stories. So we'll, we'll mm -hmm. talk about that. Um, I do want to mention that as I've considered it, I actually do something else Howard does, which is I fix a lot of this in post. Um, meaning sometimes it's too hard to keep all of these different characters straight and they're all of their different voices straight and mm -hmm. they will start to sound like me or like one another. And in a later revision, I go in and say, okay, this is the character who is very left-brained and wants to organize the world and thinks about organization and puts things in lists. Let's do this chapter again, looking through to see what contradicts that and how I can nudge it more toward that mm. character. You know, things like that, um, that I, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening out there, you know, to the talk about acting and all this stuff, and they say, I don't know how to do that. Things like you're talking about where... Let's just go through this dialogue again with something else in mind, with lists or whatever. I think setting little rules like that is a great way to, uh, you know, to simplify yeah. the process a little. Uh, one of the rules I set for John Cleaver, for example, was he, whenever he is um, detecting an emotion in somebody else, he describes it physically on their face. And again, like you say, fixing right. it in post, I went through the books again over and over, and any time he did that, I would change that. And that actually changed the way I wrote his character that's, whenever that's I would write new example. stuff. Perfect example. And we do this all the time. Um, in fact, I, in doing drafts of a book, will oftentimes get a list of things and say, this is something I want to do with every chapter. 
I want to have this character, you know, a character feature, a, a feature of the setting, a feature of the past that I know I haven't done enough in, and I will go and I will just check mark for each chapter. Okay, do I have something in this chapter that evokes that? Do I have something uh, that evokes this other thing, this other thing? And keep a list of, of 10 things and go through the chapter as many times as it takes to make sure I can check off all of those things on the list. Mm -hmm. um, so we're, we're running just a little low on time. One last question. Do, can you use yourself? Dan mentioned what I'd said, that there's a piece of you, me, and every character. Can you tap that intentionally and say, okay, this is going to be that, this aspect of myself, manifest as a character, or is that a dangerous road to get down? I think if you, if you keep it specific like that, this is going to be this aspect of me, mm -hmm. then it can work. Um, there are aspects of John Cleaver that are absolutely me. Mm -hmm. I won't tell you which ones those are for legal reasons, but uh, I mean the character is not me. Acquitted. But there are aspects of him that seem very alive and very real because it comes directly out of my own experience. Right. Um, I do think that there's the danger of making a character who is a self-parody in doing a lot of this, though. Yes. Which is something to be aware of. If you say this is the character that does X, and then that's all that character is, mm -hmm. they will become a parody. By a few a few chapters in, they will, yep. and people complain about this in um, in some very good works because the, the author is so into the character's head that sometimes they focus on these simple attributes too much. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I made the mistake of taking the uh, the scientist character from my strip and drawing him, depicting him as a you know short, dumpyish, bald guy. Uh, I did it because I thought, you know what. The world needs more heroes who are short, dumpyish, bald guys. But the character is actually based on a friend of mine, uh, who you know, one of those guys who can rebuild civilization from old bicycle parts. And but when Kevin leapt to the forefront in the Resident Mad Scientist story, uh, people looked at him and said, "Oh, this is totally this is Mary Sue." Right. This is not Mary Sue just because he looks like. Me. You really think that's me? Well, okay, but you're wrong. Um, <laughs> I, I just I, I kind of want to say some, one last thing about this. Uh, when I first started writing, I was doing a lot of biographical stuff, and it all eventually I got sick of it. It was just incestuous, and so the thing that I found is that I needed to go out into the world, find cool people, cool characters, and say I want to write about this other guy. And that was one That's of the best good. things for me is to just to go out and say who what what's a cool guy. Or, or cool gal, or cool person. Let me write about that instead of always, always about my own stories. That's um, part of where Firefly came from, as I understand. Joss Whedon said, hey, that Han Solo guy is cool. Let's do a show about him. <laughs> and anyway. All right, this has been Writing Excuses. Where are you from? Uh, uh, producer Jordan says I have to do a writing prompt, so I'm going to make John Brown do it. OK, uh, here's your writing prompt. Go out and do some research. Find an, a, a fascinating character that is nothing like you. Go pick some topic that you don't know about and then write a story. All right. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a longstanding and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. 
Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like, do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus.